Okay, welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And unfortunately, Larry, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but um, I was with the Supporters Club this morning, me and Antonio. I'm not sure if Antonio's in the comments, but from the Football Tragics and the Supporters Club. So excited, got up at five o'clock in the morning, made the long trek, long trek into the city to go watch United. And we thought, okay, United have Newcastle. Okay, we'll be able to watch United and get some three points over some breakfast. How wrong was I, Larry? So I would ask how your day was, but I'm assuming I know how your day was because it's like every other Man United fan today, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird game, Tom, and we'll obviously get into it, but it's it's now becoming a debate of whether we thought it was the manager. That's why Solskjaer inevitably lost his job. But now you're seeing a new manager come in who is meant to be a, some sort of tactical genius or have an element of tactical nous, but we're still seeing the same level of results. So I'm sure that will inevitably bring up some interesting conversation. Yeah, no, we'll definitely. Well, we'll pretty much fly straight into it. There's a few in. So if you are watching live, please do leave a like on the video and make sure you get all your comments in. But if you are in the chat already, so just say, good evening, George. Hope you're keeping well, mate. Ahmad, um, a big shout out to Ahmad also. I'm just speaking here um, through an awning up at my place over Christmas time. So, um, yeah, feel free to put your Instagram and that in the group chat or in the live chat here and we'll try it out. I'm sure anyone in Sydney needs a little bit of work done around the house. I'm sure Ahmad will be happy to help a fellow United fan out, but really um, my wife and I are both very appreciative of the work you've done, mate. Um, Josh, good evening, mate. Hope you're keeping well. George, obviously, as well. Um, Dion here saying, at the risk of sounding like an alarmist, the club is in trouble, which we'll get into all that things. Now, and we might as well start there. Larry, you talked about there in regards to Solskjaer was to blame. Now it's Ralph Rangnick. The players are doing the same thing. So I just want to bring this graphic up here. And Solskjaer needed to be sacked. That's a caveat. Solskjaer needed to go. I fully accept that and understand that and agree with it. Close your eyes. And don't look at the bench. That second half, who was in charge, Ralph Rangnick or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And because you can't answer that, that was such a Solskjaer-like performance. That is where I revert back to and point the finger solely at the players. And the players have to take responsibility because Ralph Rangnick wasn't telling Bruno to play 70-yard long balls. Neither was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I'm just thinking that is on the players. And ultimately, yes, Solskjaer need to be sat to understand that. But this is evidence to say it's not about the manager. These players need to take responsibility in this. Simply, they're not. Yeah, look, I think when it comes to bad results or even good results, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. I don't think and an, even a world-class manager will not necessarily be the reason that you go from losing 5-0 to Liverpool to winning 3-0 at Tottenham the next week. The, the reality is that a good manager will bring out a level of performance. The, the role of a manager is to allow or get the team to perform to its highest potential. That's it. At the end of the day, the players will be the players. And I also think it's the same way when we are talking about the players. I don't think a good player is a good player. A bad player is a bad player. If you and I are on that pitch today, I don't think, while we might look at what Fred does and criticize him on, on this YouTube channel, I don't think I can execute what Fred does any better because I'm not a better footballer. And that's the reality. Actually, I will say I have a better touch than Fred. I'm, I'm willing to say that. But in, on a serious note, like that's the thing. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. So when someone says, is it purely the manager or is it purely the players? It's both of them together. If someone says to me, is the 4 triple two working? I say, absolutely not. And normally with a formation, and look, there are many facets to this performance, Tom, which you will get into, and I won't go on too long on this. But this formation, when you look at the type of players we have, you're simply putting square pegs into round holes. It just doesn't fit. I think a 4 triple two, particularly when you're talking about the positions behind the striker, that should almost be two number 10 players, 
ball players. Marcus Rashford was deployed in that position today. What's going on there? It's not a winger spot. So it's not your 4-4-2, what we've grown up seeing from United. So you have to look at the manager there and say, hold on, is he actually putting the players where they're actually meant to be to allow them to, f- to fulfill their potential? And I have to say no to that point. Well, we'll get into your touch on Marcus Rashford, and there's a few comments in here and talking about a few things, and we'll obviously bring him up in a little bit. But I just want to sort of go back to his topic number one of most people's list as well after a performance like that. But I just don't want to dissect the performance of Harry Maguire, but obviously he's come out and... It's a weird one. Okay, it's, it's weird. He said, "Okay, it's not an excuse, but here's my excuse, excuse type thing." I just want your opinion because, yes, he has used it as an excuse. Well, I don't think he's used it as an excuse. He's used it as a reason and sort of pointed out the facts of the matter. Now, yes, it's not an excuse that the players haven't been training. They did look rusty. They did look—I wouldn't say unfit, but um, obviously underprepared type thing. And just your thoughts on that, because yes, it sounds like an excuse, and that's not bad, and that add fu- that sort of adds fuel to the fire on sort of the Harry Maguire sort of bonfire everyone's throwing on. However, it is an impact, and we're going to benefit later on in the season when teams aren't training. Let's say we have in six months, Everton have COVID for two weeks, and we're playing tra- training and games type thing. We'll go in much better prepared, and we'll probably smash a team like Everton or something. On this week, we're on the back end of no training for two weeks. Some players have COVID. Victor Lindelof's got COVID. So in a couple of days, you can bet your bottom dollar that a few extra United players are going to have COVID. It's not an excuse, like Harry Maguire said. But it's close to it. Like it's, it doesn't excuse the performance, but it does have an impact. There's no doubt it does. Yeah, it does. They did. They did look rusty. Like that was one of the things. It, tactics, formations, the touch just was off by so many, so many of the players. Absolutely. Look, I think when you are looking at the game, that there's no issue with saying the players look tired. They didn't look fit, and I agree with all of those sentiments. But the problem with Harry Maguire is, I think, don't come out and say. And I understand it's a difficult position when you're put on the spot. But don't say not to make an excuse, but as soon as you do that, you, you, you've already created, you know, you've put the nail in your own coffin there. I think what he, the, the way he just needs to be more mindful in how he's addressing these sorts of comments. But in saying that, look, I think the energy was a level. I think, yes, while it's so lazy to say, it's evident that Newcastle were winning the 50-50 battle. Th- this match wasn't purely won on talent. If, if like, like we've always said, if football's played on paper, Manchester United win this game every single time. But the reality is Newcastle were fitter, they were hungrier. But even just tactically, the, the, the little things, Tom, I don't know if you saw this at the pub, but watching the game from a tactical point of view, which I admittedly is difficult on, on your TV screen at 7am in the morning, this formation and my frustration with it, I'm looking at United set up in this 4 2 there's, so where the midfield is, so where you have Fred and McTominay sitting and where you have Bruno and Rashford occupying in terms of their space, you just had four Newcastle players in between. There was literally no option to pass to. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, I understand Ralph Rennick wants to play a certain way, but I'm thinking, has he almost gone too intense in this forward thinking? If you look at the way Newcastle p- played or set up, it was to absorb United. It was for encouraging United to come onto them. Well, there's no, there's no point pressing a team that doesn't want the ball, is there? So I'm just wondering, actually, is Rennick almost being too stubborn in his fresh approach where he's not actually looking at the football match? Now, yes, he did make a change at halftime and we did score a goal from that. But then you have to look at it and say, but tactically, whatever you think of our energy or the COVID uh, infiltrating the football team, tactically, we weren't set up to get a positive result. And I think fundamentally, that's where the issue is in this football game. 
Look, it's, it's very hard to disagree, and I agree with most of your sentiments there. I just think it's hard in terms of while frustration is very high amongst the fan base, I know you, you're not losing your call cool at all there. It's a, sort of a sensible opinion, but it is so early on in Ralph Rangnick's time. There's been very limited training time. I think there's sort of stats since he signed his contract at United. He's almost just had just as many days away from Carrington than he has had at Carrington in regards to the COVID breaks and sort of things like that sort of thing. So he hasn't had much time on the training ground, and that is something he needs to implement. But I just want to move on before we get into sort of dissecting more things around the game. Um, Ashby, good motor man. Hope you keep him well, man. Puts a point here. I'll just bring it up. The players need an attitude adjustment. Can we get Fergus, Ferguson's hairdryer out? And Larry, I want a discussion and I want to try and not overreact. Um, we've sometimes overreacted with sort of Harry Maguire or Solskjaer type thing. But I want to bring this guy up here and calm me down if I get too intense. But I am sick of it. He does rush out too much power, as the banner says. I'm worried for this because we can tie the Anthony Marshall discussion into this if you want, because Anthony Marshall has gone on to say he wants to leave the club. Ralph Rangnick has confirmed that. And whatever I want to say here is no means to say, okay, bring Anthony Marshall back in over Marcus Rashford. That's not the case. I'm very happy with the decision to let Marshall go now. I think it's time. I think for both player and the club, Marshall needs to leave. However, when you look at the difference now, how Rashford is being picked, and we always sort of joke, not joke, but we frustratingly said when Wayne Rooney had a real bad patch of form, under, I think it was Louis Van Hal or Jose Mourinho. I think it was Louis Van Hal. We said, is it in Wayne Rooney's contract that he has to start? Now, obviously, that's not the case. We've seen Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo not start games. So Rashford doesn't have that clause in his contract. But he has an influence at this club. And the influence is dangerous because I think, Ralph Rangnick, the evidence we have so far suggests he's going to play him and not take him off. He subbed Fred, deserved to be subbed off. Greenwood deserved to be subbed off. Marcus Rashford deserved to be subbed off. But he stays on the pitch and his performance, forget his performances, out of form, bad touch, decisions, whatever. That's fine. Look, I'm not happy with it, but a, bad, a player's going to have bad patches of form. His effort levels. I, I hate use, I hate throwing the word out there, disgusting or disgraceful. I think that's used far too often amongst football fans. But my God, Marcus Rashford's work rate, it's appalling. Um, it's the minimum we demand from fans to put a shift in. And Rashford just stands there, hands on hips, and just gets through no work at all. And... I'm sick of it because he needs to be pulled out of the team, but managers can't do it. Jose Mourinho couldn't do it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer couldn't do it. And now Ralph Rangnick, in the small evidence we have, can't get him out of the team. Um, just do, do you think he has that influence and power at the club that he almost can't be dropped? Well, I'll tell you what. If you think Marcus Rashford should be dropped, like the video. And if you think he shouldn't be dropped, dislike the video. Let me, let's see what you guys are thinking. But what I, what I look, when I look at Marcus Rashford, I do agree with you, Tom, and Unfortunately, with Ralph Rennick, he's come into a really difficult spot in the sense of he doesn't know if he'll be manager. I think we're going off the expectation of he won't be, but he will go into this consultant role. And the difficult thing that he now faces is, he, in terms of the political side of the game, which unfortunately it is there, Ronaldo's not droppable. Bruno Fernandez is not droppable. And then you've got Marcus Rashford, who, based on form, should absolutely be droppable. I think you look at the, the other two players I've mentioned there. I think there's been a level of performance from those two where you have to say, look, they regardless of the... Look, Bruno Fernandes's bad days is another player's good days. That he, He's elite. He, he creates even on when, when he's not playing well. Heck, even today when he was deployed in the number six as a budget Michael Carrick, some of the balls he was putting in, um, the level of quality that you see his improvement on Fred and that position isn't natural to Bruno. You see what he can do. So you, you just have to take what you can get with Bruno Fernandez with Cristiano Ronaldo, the same thing. 
frustration. Um, I'm going to say I am going to be critical of Ronaldo. I don't like the way he keeps running down the tunnel when United don't win a football game. Well, what do needs- you think of that? Because a few people have brought that up, one amongst the fan base, but also it's been reported in the media. And look, I, I completely agree with it. I don't like it. However, I can count since 2003. I can count on one hand the amount of times he has applauded the fans. And he probably hasn't been, even done it after the Champions League final. He just does not do that. We never complain about it when we win. He, he didn't do it at Real Madrid. He's never done it at United. He might, when he's walking off the street, they might put his hand up like this. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't shake hands with the opposition. Now, he's this player who we afford that luxury type thing, but it's suddenly a narrative because things aren't going well on the pitch. And I understand the frustration. We need something to sort of look at. But this has never been an issue, but now it is an issue. I'm just wondering why. Well, I agree with it, but I'm just it's weird how it has popped up. No, I think there's an expectation from myself as a Manchester United fan. I expect the players to go over and, and clap those fans. Now, I understand Cristiano Ronaldo is a millionaire and will never sweat over 50 pounds. A lot of these gents are leaving work or have sacrificed a shift or are giving up time with their families or have travelled X amount of hours to get to a football match and put in their hard-earned coin to get there. You go and you applaud those fans. It takes you all the two minutes. It's honestly nothing. And it might mean nothing to him, but it might mean everything to them. You do it. And a, a lot of the players do do it. So there's no excuse. And I think you got to think of the example you're setting for younger players. Mason Greenwood's still 20 years of age. Everything that is around him are things that will influence him. If you see the best player in the world, or one of, absolutely, even at his age, going running down the tunnel when the results aren't going right, instead of facing up to the fans, sucking it up, and going and applauding, what does that tell you? What sort of example does that set for a younger player? Then do we are we going to be having this debate in, in three years' time when Mason Greenwood is a world-class player and he keeps running down the tunnel? It's not the sort of example you, you set. And I'm very big on that because when you talk about United, there's a level of class that we like to brag about as fans. So you, you have to expect that. Let's bring it back to Marcus Rashford. The thing that Ronaldo can get away with a lot of it because, like you said, he's been the best player in the world for the best part of a decade. But you look at Marcus Rashford and I have to agree with you, the effort isn't there. I think he shows the grimace on his face that Anthony Martial doesn't and that's probably why he gets away with a lot of it. And I hate to say it, and please don't take this the wrong way, and this is not to take anything away from the fantastic charitable work that Marcus Rashford is doing. I almost feel like because he's becoming the second prime minister of England, it's an excuse for him not to be dropped as a football player. And he's come to a point now where actually I would take Anthony Alenga in the side over Marcus Rashford. Well, that's where I come to the him not being dropped in terms of the power. He, the PR machine behind him, let's face it, he does have a PR machine behind him. That is, Absolutely. in my opinion, that is what's keeping him in the team and that is what the club do value. And his next contract, I, I can guarantee you, he's on, I assume, around 200 grand a week now. His next contract is 400 grand a week because the club value, he's not worth that, but that's what the club value him as. And I just think the PR machine behind him is the reason he's simply undroppable, in my opinion. Wrong no, he so. has to be droppable. He has to be. Yeah, well, he's not droppable. The managers don't drop him. That but That's up to United. If there is something from a hierarchical perspective where Rennick is basically being told he can't drop certain players, then whoever that is needs to go. Now, I would I can't dare to think that the Glazers would have such an influence. I'm not even sure they know 11 players are on the pitch at one time. So I would I would hate to think that that's, what, that's what's happening here. But Rennick needs to come to a point where he says, actually, look, I take your point on Mason Greenwood. Did he deserve to be subbed off? Yeah, absolutely he did. I think there was probably all but two players who didn't deserve to be subbed off at halftime. But you look at Mason Greenwood. If I was, if you were to tell me who's more likely to win United a football match, picking Mason all day long, 
What what does he have? You know, if if you put the attributes side by side, Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, outside of pace, what does Marcus Rashford offer that's greater than Mason Greenwood, despite all the years of experience? Well, Matt, Matt brings a comment here. Who would you place Rashford? With, who would you replace Rashford with? And the answer simply, well, at the moment, the ideal candidate would probably be Anthony Martial. Now that ship sailed, and this is not get Anthony Martial back in the team. I'm happy for him to leave the right decision, as I said, but that would usually be the right answer. That's down out of the question in regards to his situation. So is it now just play Mason Greenwood? Not not that it will happen, but if you're the boss, is it play Mason Greenwood over Rashford? Well, I think he needs to fix this formation. I don't like it. But yeah, if he's look, let's assume all all things the same. He's going four triple two against Burnley. Yeah. Play Mason Greenwood. Jaden Sancho looked good today when he came on. There you go. Adam's there. Put Jaden Sancho on. Sancho looked good today. He looked good occupying a wide position where he should be because, again, we should stop playing this stupid formation that doesn't fit players in their natural positions and let them get on the ball. Sancho actually looked good today. Do you see that one run where he beat three players and made them look absolutely stupid? There was nothing made of it because United don't go on and score or anything from it. But you saw that because he got to go into a wide position and he did what a winger does. He didn't look up and think, I'm, I've am i got 10 yards on this bloke. I'm going to kick in behind him like it's under eights and try and beat him and the ball inevitably goes out. He played football with football intelligence. He looked at the player's hips and he, and he beat him based on his movement. That's what smart footballers do. Marcus Rashford is not a smart footballer. He's terribly out of form and I'm, I'm all for the charitable work he's doing. Keep doing it, Marcus. He deserves to be sat on the bench. Case closed. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Just a comment here from Scott, a good mate of ours, an Arsenal fan and host of It's a Football Thing. They'll be live at 8.30, so make sure you go subscribe to It's a Football Thing and find them on Twitter, on our Twitter page. And um, the comment, any truth, Rashford to Arsenal, simply that's not happening. However, I would refer it to, would you see a situation now? Now, of course, it's not going to happen from the club's point of view. And this is not, I'm not saying sell Marcus Rashford. I think he has a great future at United if he gets his head right. He sort of rests up and he sort of finds a little bit of form and finds a sort of new lease of life, lease on life in a football sense. Is there a situation now? Obviously, Martial has left or is on the verge of leaving. Would you consider moving forward if you're the manager? Would you consider a future without Marcus Rashford? Would you look to maybe because he's a valuable player um, in terms of transfer value? Now, United probably wouldn't get that because he demands huge wages elsewhere. But is there a situation where you're the manager and you would consider not that you would, but you'd sort of consider the option to sell Marcus Rashford? Oh, look, I'm not going to go that far. I think where Marcus Rashford is... The reason I would say, and sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but the reason I would say that, I said this morning, if it's Sir Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson had Marcus Rashford in the dressing room, suddenly there's a few distractions. Suddenly that ego is getting a little bit out of control on the pitch and he has that bit too much control within the club. Sir Alex Ferguson, he's first out the door, Marcus Rashford. I know that sounds stupid because he's this club academy graduate type thing and this hero amongst Man United fans. But in terms of the problems that he's showing, Marcus Rashford, Stralix Ferguson just doesn't stand for that. He doesn't stand for a lack of effort. He doesn't stand for off-field distractions. We saw that with David Beckham, who he got rid of. And he doesn't stand for stuff like that. So I think there is a situation where Stralix Ferguson would consider his future. I'm not going to go that far just yet. Um, but what I will say is he needs to find a way to have a positive contribution between now and the end of the season. I think, you know, the, the jury, I mean, look, I know people get bored to death of the Martial versus Rashford debate, but where I will make a comparison is here. Anthony Martial, a season and a half ago, had finished being United's top goal scorer without penalties. I think he scored one penalty that season. He, sc he scored 23 goals. I think all of us at the conclusion of that season would have said, 
Martial's going to kick on from here. He'll hopefully score 30 goals the next season and so forth. It hasn't panned out that way. Marcus Rashford last season, despite his shoulder injury, still has a wonderful contribution in terms of goals and assists. But the reality is how fast things can change. We're now a year and a half down the line and where he's saying, yeah, it's the right decision. Martial should be sold. So if we're if we if we're that fickle about a talented player not playing well, or can we also remember Martial was injured from February toward the end of the season? So that's four months where, look, I wouldn't have expected a high upturn in form, but he still gets picked for France. So guys, obviously not rubbish, okay? My point is here that Marcus Rashford has come from a lengthy period of time off he's he said he's been playing injured after the the england world cup etc he's got the rest he's needed so i can't understand why he's in such a bad patch of form what i will say is ralph rennick is overseeing the football operations of manchester united so if marcus rashford cannot fix up his form i dare say over the next 18 months so if you're looking from now until probably june 2023 if rashford can't take his game to the next level then yeah, of course there's an argument to say Marcus Rashford should be sold. I think there's better wingers out there. I, I don't think he's good enough to be a striker, and I don't think he's a world-class winger. So he needs to figure out what his best position is, like we've been debating about Martial. And then once he figures that out, he needs to get the best perf- level of performance out of himself. Yeah, no, definitely. Adam here from the Supporters Club saying I doesn't know whether to agree or disagree with me. And I think that's the thing, especially on Marcus Rashford. Like, I, I hear it in myself as well. I think, well, hang on, I can't say that because of this. And I, I love Marcus Rashford. I absolutely love him. But it needs to be called out the issues that um, he's, he's sort of suffering from. And, um, yeah, I don't. it's not a sell Marcus Rashford, but the discussion needs to be had because... Can I ask you a question, of, Tom? Let, let me please. ask you a question. And th- this is probably... Um, Opening a can of worms, we, we had this debate after the Everton game. I need to ask it again. Since Cristiano Ronaldo signed, we said he's not what exactly what we need. I think we all would have probably preferred a, a midfielder, but romanticism has its place in football. We expected a title challenge. You look at how many questions rather than answers are being asked of Manchester United right now. What's their formation? Who are their best players? Do we need a striker? Do we need wingers? I didn't see this level of imbalance in the football side before his signing. Now, you can argue that himself, as personally, he's flourished with 13 goals in return. Has Cristiano Ronaldo's signing upset the dynamic of Manchester United? You could very well make a case that you could isolate things and say, yes, I completely agree. However, I could point to other things and say, no, and he's been beneficial in so many other ways, and it's finding that balance. Look at how Cavani comes on in the second half. His level of intensity, the way he scores the goal. I think Ronaldo is the better player. But is is Edison Cavani maybe a better fit for what Manchester United need right now? We said that on the unveiling video, when the news broke, when Fabrizio Romano said, here we go, we sat here and we went live at 2 a.m. here in Sydney and said, look, we're going to have to do a video tomorrow having a proper discussion because it's very well likely that Ronaldo is not the greatest signing in regards to on-pitch what this team needs. But you had to you had to throw it away, and you, you were rightly so throwing it away because of what it means. There is romanticism about it, and rightly so. And if you don't agree with that, I'm sorry, that's not really Man United. Man United is about that. Um, you can't sort of hide away what we felt that day when Ronaldo signed. But there is a definite football argument to say we are better off, and that's where I think a manager very hard to drop Ronaldo, but a, a good manager with complete control, with which unfortunately Manchester United managers don't have complete control over. I wouldn't say team selection. But over football in operation, you mentioned Ralph Rangnick has control over the football operations. Well, at the moment, I don't think he does. Well, at the moment, 
no manager has. Whether Ralph Rangie takes that step, time will tell. But it's, it's just a weird one with Ronaldo. Yes, I completely agree. There are better fits up front, but there's no better fit than scoring a goal. And when we do create chances, Ronaldo scores. Uh, we need to get in a way where we can create more chances. And look, maybe that is with Ronaldo out of the team. But look, that, that's a hurdle we can cross in a year's time when he's not here. Let's just enjoy it for when he's here now because we all wanted it for 12 years. He's come back. He's doing well. Enjoy it. Um, whether we bring a Haaland or a Mbappe or whoever in the next big striker in a year's time. Um, we can have that discussion then, but I'm just going to enjoy Ronaldo for what he is now because I have waited for 12 years. Now, there have been a huge influx of comments today, which is great to see. Apologies for not getting to them all, but I um, truly appreciate all the interactions. But um, we try to read out as many as we can, but also trying to keep the discussions flowing. But Larry, there was a football match. Um, before we get into the 3 2 ones, is there anything else on the match you want to discuss? Because we've discussed everything but the match. Well, if I look at some of the statistics, um, so United had. 68% possession. Watching the football game, I didn't feel that. I, I actually felt Newcastle had more of the ball. We dominated, is, but Newcastle should have won. Newcastle would more the, the more dangerous team. Absolutely. I think Ralph Rennick's comments post-match have been taken out of context. He, he made a comment that United won a point rather than lost two. This wasn't a... It wasn't a... It wasn't standards being dropped when he made that comment. It, it, it sounds like he was actually critical of the performance. Um, saying United almost lucky to escape with a point. And 100% agree. If you actually look at the, the statistics that matter, though, 13 shots each, so that's both sides, eight on target for Newcastle, four for United, one of them being Cavani's goal. The statistics there tell you we just really struggle to get quality to the attacking players. It also tells you Marcus Rashford lost the ball every single time he touched it because he was awful today. But... That's the thing. I think it comes back to me, I guess. If you're looking at it, Tom, and I guess there's a hundred things you could say is wrong with the side. If there was one thing you could change, is it is it the formation? Is it the personnel? I just look at the one change that he did make, that I, he being Ranić, Bruno being deployed centrally, I just think that's an absolute must. He just looks so lost in a wide position with no one to pass to. He's not a winger. And I just I think the team we missed today, and you said never put a United shirt on again. We miss Paul Pogba. Yeah, we do. We do. Miss <laughs> well, Paul Pogba. We, we sat here two weeks ago, said I never want to see him play for United again. And as I said, here we are two weeks later saying, look, we could do with Paul Pogba in games like this. But what position does Paul Pogba play in this formation? Uh, is he a 10? Is he one of the deeper midfielders? Well, the, the way Rangnick went in the second half, as I said, he played Bruno in central midfield. He pretty much just went for it. And old Ferguson style, just put your attackers on and hope. And if that, that was Solskjaer, I would be crucifying Solskjaer for that approach. But that's literally what Ralph Rangnick did. And that is why Newcastle was so dangerous on the counterattack. Because Nemanja Matic was playing, there was six players in front of him, and Nemanja Matic was sitting by himself. And that is why Newcastle was so dangerous. So tactically, I can understand Ralph's sort of desire to go and get three points. But it was almost a disaster, and if it, if we did lose, if we did lose, in my opinion, that would have been solely on Ralph Rangnick for his approach in the second half, type thing. But look, in regards to that area of the pitch, that is the addition we do need in January, uh, just a better footballer in midfield. Whether that's a rejuvenated Paul Pogba, I don't think that will be the case. Whether it's a January signing from one of Ralph Rangnick's Red Bull Leipzig contacts, who knows? But um, we definitely do need a midfielder. Now we will move on to three, two, ones, Larry, or as we I think we should um, rename it. The De Gea two ones. So, any words on De Gea for his three point performance? There's not really much to say, is there? That second save, the, the one out of the top corner. Yeah, brilliant. That brilliant. was that was a good save. That was that was a goal. It's one of those ones where you see the, the strike hit the ball. You think, oh, it's a goal, and somehow he's able to 
I'm clawing out of the top corner. I mean, look, De Gea has been he's been brilliant all season. Um, even his distribution, I thought today was actually quite good. Is I hate to think where we'd be without him, Tom. Honestly, like you, we can look at it. Cavani salvages a point. I think De Gea is the one who keeps us in it. Bloody hell! I think you you summed it up in the release, and Adam's got it here. We just honestly should just change the name in this segment for between now and the end of the season to De Gea two ones. He he's gonna win it. Like sure, he it's almost impossible unless Ronaldo can get three points between now and the end of the season every game, which is definitely possible. Yeah, no, well, George here is saying um, De Gea three. Obviously, I think everyone in the comments, don't worry about putting De Gea for three. We know De Gea is three, um, as usual. But he's gone Cavani two points, which is, I think, of the obvious choice. And Sancho for one point. Yeah, Sancho was a little bit dangerous type thing. Um, don't mind that shout. But Cavani, obviously, the two points for the goal. I would say match-winning goal. It wasn't a match-winning goal, but almost just as vital. Otherwise, we lose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I think two points has to be Cavani. That's a no-brainer. One point, I'm split on this one. I said to you, um, I was actually thinking Diogo Delo. I think he creates the assists. Um, I thought, yes, you can argue, he, d- d- is he does he play an element of fault in the St. Maximan goal? Personally, actually, I don't put that at Delo. I think Maguire's told him, go, go outside, which he has. And I think Maguire's actually the one who's almost taking more of the blame there. I thought his delivery wasn't perfect today, the Portuguese, but I thought Delo, he, he was positive. He worked hard. I can't be, I, I know that should be a given. What Tom, do you think? And I just want to get off my chest. I, I just want to moan for the sake of it. And we're going to get onto the last player. You mentioned that goal from St. Maximum. Yes. Great goal. Fantastic. I was watching that game. I can't wait for Newcastle to go down. I, the reason they are in a relegation battle, I saw, was because of that performance. Because they were so good is, in my opinion, the reason why they're going to get relegated. Because they saw the cameras. They saw Ronaldo in town. They saw the, the TV cameras on them. And they put in that type of performance, that type of effort, because United are in town. And that's a sign of a team who doesn't show up at other games. So I thought their performance, while fantastic for their fans, in my opinion, if I was watching that, I'd be looking at and saying, hang on. Where's that against Burnley? Where's that against Aston Villa? Where's that against Southampton type thing? I thought they were, I wouldn't say a disgrace, but where is that performance for Newcastle? Because if you can run like that when Man United are in town, you have to run like that when Arsenal are in town, etc. type thing. So St. Maximum, I thought, was brilliant in that first half, but the second half, he could have had a hat-trick, but he got he tackled himself about six times. <laughs> Same Maximan reeks of Nani, doesn't he? He's just one of those players yeah. where w- when he's on, he's absolutely brilliant. And he's he's going to have, between now and the end of his career, there's always going to be this debate. How would he perform with better players? Should he move to a bigger club? Why can't he be consistent? The same debate we've been having with Anthony Martial, who I actually think is more talented, the same arguments are going to be had with St. Maximan until he retires, just naturally. Yeah. Well, Josh, he is saying... Um... You seem unsure about Sandra. Who else would you put? Now, let me know in the comments if I'm absolutely deluded with this. And Larry, you can give me your opinion as well. I think Sandra has a good shout. And look, we don't have a big pool to sort of fish from in regards to this. Scott McTominay, and the reason I point him out, we're seeing something from him. As I said, when Ralph Rangit came in, I said, McTominay will be the one that he trusts. And from everything, we've seen a very Solskjaer-like performance again against Newcastle and against Norwich. But Scott McTominay, we're seeing something different. We're seeing him add something to his game. He's getting the ball and he's looking forward. He's passing the ball forward. Whether it sticks, whether he's good enough to play that pass forward, maybe not. But he is attempting that. And I think he's showing something. He's trying to get forward. He's sort of taking up sort of more dangerous areas in that. Not the final third, but a little bit more advanced. Fred's sitting a little bit deeper. And I think McTominay is trying to 
play the Ralph Rangnick style where other players like Bruno Fernandes is coming to get the ball and trying to be the hero, where I think Scott McTominay is doing the right thing by his manager and performing well. Whether that's enough for a point, maybe not. But um, obviously he came off injured, whether it's a serious injury, time will tell. But um, a mad thing, I've been drinking at 7am, doesn't sit well with you. Well, Antonio, who was in the chat, was um, with us as well. Um, no, nothing but waters and orange juice. But um, your thoughts on McTominay and Sancho? Would you lean to it? Well, you actually alluded to Delo. But your thoughts on McTominay's performance? Especially if Fred got hooked at halftime. Maybe that weighs on me in regards to Fred was so bad. He's midfield partner, so I had to pick up the slack. Oh, Fred was awful. Can, can I make an argument for McTominay? Look, I have to throw a wild comment out there. You're the sensible one here, Tom, so let me throw this out. I don't think McTominay is a centre-back, but I'm telling you, I think we could do a lot worse than putting him instead of Fridge, Maguire. I just, I think I think with Maguire, and look, I'm not going to go too hard. I actually think Varane was worse today between the two of them. So let me get let me get that caveat out of the way. In saying that, I don't think when Varane is going to have a poor game on his one out of tens, I don't think Maguire is the sort of centre-back who can protect him. I don't think those two players complement each other, and I know on paper they do. I just think it's come time where Rennick really needs to shake something up. And I saw Gary Neville's comments, and I thought that they were really interesting. Maguire is the captain, but he doesn't feel like the captain. And I think that his performance at the moment, I think United just really need some steel at the back. Who feels Who feels like the captain? Ronaldo does. Ronaldo feels like the captain or Bruno Fernandes. And they're the two so, most well, petulant well, players on the field. And that's <laughs> the problem. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. That, that is a problem. We can point to traits they have, which we want. Then we ultimately revert to the end of the sort of the, the last sort of concerning point is it is a problem. But Maguire reeks, mate. Like the thing is, if if Varane is having a bad game, if you're Harry Maguire, what have you done? You've gotten relegated with Sheffield United, um, or sorry, with Hull. You played with Sheffield United. Uh, his, his career's just been very jumpy, and he's done well to get to where he is. But you got a Champions League winner, La Liga winner, countless times, a, a World Cup winner. How's he going to tell Rafael Varane what to do? Oh, Rafael, you got to do better there, mate. Please. Selling him shove frog legs, frog legs up your ass. Like that's the thing. I don't think Harry Maguire cannot command respect from Rafael Varane. Just the way it is, just purely looking at their football careers. So I just think, and the way Maguire is performing at the moment, I would actually say McTominay's got the pace, he's got the mobility, he's got the heading ability. He's he's got a good ball player as well, by the way. I think if United can get a good midfielder in January, I really think it would not be the worst shout to throw McTominay back there with Rafael Varane. Look, it definitely won't happen, but, but I agree with the sort of the thinking. And obviously he does play there for Scotland. And when he has played there for United, he's sort of not been great, but not been woeful. He's sort of sort of five, six out of ten when he has sort of filled in at centre back. Definitely won't happen. But um it, look, like Marcus Rashford needs to be dropped, Harry Maguire needs to be dropped. Whether that cup captain's armband stops that from happening, obviously time will tell. And you, you do hope Ralph Rangnick does make a big thing, but at the end of the day, then Eric Bay's off with the African Cup of Nations, Lindelof has COVID. Phil That's Jones on the bench. So you're subbing Harry Maguire off. If you're not dropping Scott McTominay there, you're either oh, bringing Jones the man you manage or man. Phil Jones. So um... Jones is finished. I think I'm more of a chance of getting a start for United than Phil Jones is. Um, but And sorry, I, I completely – I didn't answer your question in my rant at all, did I? Um, well, we, I we thought said... McTominay was all right. Yeah. I thought he was all right. Um, he, he definitely wasn't the worst player on the pitch. I think if you were going to give points to anyone, I think you could make an argument for Sancho because I don't think he was good. I don't think he was good, but I thought he was – the best of a bad bunch when he came on and made a few promising runs and danced into United, uh, Newcastle's defense. I thought Diego Delo put in work rate, which 
yes, he's, you know, unfortunately, it, it, it should be a given, but it's not, as we've debated with Marcus well, Rashford. Because, because, it's not a, because it's not a given, we do have to call it out and praise it when we see it. Of course. Sadly. And he gets the assist. He gets the assist, Diogo Delo. So, look, look I'll be leaning saying Delo, You were saying Delo, I'll say McTominay, but pretty much every single comment from the live chat for their one point was Jaden Sancho. And you obviously alluded to Jaden Sancho making a little bit of an impact. So, would you be happy to go for Sancho? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, look, like I said, I thought Sancho, when he came on, he did what you want from an attacking sub player. He came on and he, he makes some sort of positive difference. Yeah, definitely. So in this week's De Gea two ones, obviously De Gea with his th- usual three points, Cavani for two, and we'll give Jaden Sancho one point. Now, Larry, I'm just looking at the fixture list. We are playing, fr- it's Tuesday night here. We're playing Friday morning. So I'm assuming, if I've got my calendar right, we'll probably be back tomorrow night for a Burnley preview. Now, I think Burnley had a match postponed against whoever they were playing, so due to COVID. I assume, well, Victor Lindolf has just been diagnosed with COVID. He's been training with the team. So I assume in the next day or two, United are going to have a few extra COVID cases. I, My money would say we're not going to play against Burnley. I think it'll be postponed um, for both clubs. I think Burnley, you look at there, I think they've played the least amount of games or close to the um, least amount of games type thing. United obviously had a few cases. So fingers crossed it goes ahead. Hopefully everyone is healthy from both clubs. If I'm a betting man, I think it'll be off. But fingers crossed it is on. And we'll do a preview tomorrow night looking forward. And there'll obviously be team selection up for discussion because is Bruno Fernandes suspended, I think? So there are a few sort of little, little, few, few little caveats like that, which will throw up an interest in dynamic one with personnel, but obviously also the team selection. But so um, just gen- another sum up of your general thoughts today in terms of the whole package. Oh, we're fucked. <laughs> What's what, that are you mean? Saying, what do you say? Our best midfielder is going to miss the next game. Lindelof's got COVID. I'm here saying Scott McTominay should play. San- so sorry, I should I should hire. The reason I'm making that suggestion is because I've got Lindelof in mind. Harry, I'm sorry, Bay's going to the African Cup of Nations, and I think Harry Maguire just needs to be pulled out of the side. So that, that's why I'm making that argument. Of course, I saw Emad's comment there. If Lindelof's fit, of course Lindelof plays. Um I just, I just think we're fucked. I, re- I really do. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I saw a comment earlier saying, you know, the club's in crisis. I don't think we're in crisis, but my God, we- we've had a transfer window where we signed Rafael Varane, Jaden Sancho, and Cristiano Ronaldo, and I felt more confident with Dan James and Juan Mata on the wings. Look, I, I said it at the time. I said, look, Dan James, it was right for him to go, but we will miss a player like Dan James, I thought. And one matter, look, I don't need to make a case for him. Um, definitely, but Burnley, um, Josh, he's saying Burnley, yeah, they try- turn into prime Barcelona when they t- rock up at Old Trafford for some reason. And they not only just turn into prime Burnley in terms of lumping the ball forward and being a physical presence, they actually play good football at Old Trafford for some reason. But just my one last shout here before we wrap up the podcast, Matt, he's saying, what about Donny? He's garbage just, too, seriously. No, nah, come on, he's got to be a straight replacement for Bruno Fernandes here, surely. In, ter- yeah, in terms he- of the mistakes Bruno Fernandes was making... And the issues that he had his, has with his performances, Donny van der Beek in that role walks into the team, surely. I'd play one matter. Well, no, I, I would play one matter, of course, but that's not going to happen. One matter wasn't even in the match day squad. Mate, Donny, seriously, I've seen this argument. This is this is the issue with Twitter, okay? And, and, and sorry, this isn't to have a go at anyone who thinks Donny should get an opportunity here. But every opportunity he has had, he has been poor. The only good performance I can poor. recall. I wouldn't say poor. He's, he's been, been poor. He's not been good poor. enough. I wouldn't say poor. And maybe that's the same thing. But I don't think he's been bad. He's just he's been ordinary. He's done nothing horrible, but he's done nothing that to says, give him that run of games to give him that platform to do something more rather than, okay, here's your first five minutes in six weeks. Be great. 
I take your point. I, I take your point. But I, I just think that when you get your opportunity, much like Diogo Delo got a few weeks ago, who had probably been playing less football than Donny van der Beek, he took his opportunity against Arsenal. He had a good game against a difficult against difficult opposition. When I see Donny come in, just looks poor. He doesn't he doesn't do the work off the ball. And I know that's frustrating and I know people don't like Fred. I don't like Fred. But for all Donny offers on the ball, trust me, as bad as you think we are defensively, we will concede more goals with him in midfield. I guarantee it. Yeah. Look, it's a hard one. We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Josh knows one matter should be starting against Burnley. It is the game made for him. Scott here saying, great show, lads. I appreciate the support. He's obviously the host of It's a Football Thing with Rob, and they'll be going live in 20 minutes. So make sure go subscribe to It's a Football Thing. And Adam here, in terms of his little bit of banter towards Larry, Larry, how has Bruno been going this season? I don't have the stats with me, Larry. But if you actually look at the stats in terms of created chances, non-penalty goals, um, pass completion, everything, crazily, Bruno Fernandes is the best performing midfielder in the Premier League this season. Well, when you look at all those things, which I can't comprehend how that is the case, but the stats have come out from Opta that he's outperforming all the players in sort of these all these key stats. Now, stats obviously don't tell the whole story, but um, Bruno is what he is. We're not going to we're not going to complain when we win, but when the losses or when the results don't go our way, um, he is an easy target, and rightly so because of the the issues that he does cause when we perform badly. I think he he loses the ball a lot which is frustrating. Um, the same week, Bruno Fernandes lost the ball 27 times. I think it was against Norwich. Uh, Yalcantelo lost the ball 33 times for Manchester City. He got man of the match. Just goes, and he, play, I know he plays like a fullback, but he plays like an invert. He's a midfielder. The position he occupies on the field for Manchester City. And the thing is, when you get the results, when those passes come off or one out of those 10 passes come off, all you're thinking about is the brilliant assist that he produced. You're not thinking about all the times he lost the ball. I think if you, like I said at the start of, the, of this video, I think a poor performance from Bruno Fernandes is a good performance for your mid-table midfielder. Yeah. I think he's frustrating, but you have to allow a player in your side to take those risks. Otherwise, you won't create anything. Well, so the sad think, thing is, and look, I completely agree, but the sad thing is we're making that case for four or five players. A top absolutely. Team has, a, a, a top team has that player... Them. One yeah, of those in the one or two. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. And I, I don't think the formation at the moment, playing him in this wide position, much like we've had this debate with Pogba, when Pogba's been played in the wide spot of a 4-2-3-1, I think we're having the same issue with Bruno. If you don't give him an outlet to pass to, you're really limiting his game. Yeah, no, look, completely agree. Um, football Tragics here. Make sure you go and subscribe to their channel. I mean, you can find it on our Twitter. Um, just type in the Football Tragics. Brilliant as always, lads. And Matt um, showing his sport. Great show, guys. He's obviously um, at the Supporters Club at the pub with us this morning. It was good to see Matt there this morning. I'm um, hopefully see you Friday, mate, if the game goes ahead against Burnley. But I will be there Friday morning. Um, might actually need a beer if we play like that. Um, Burnley at Old Trafford could be a tough watch. But um, fingers crossed the match does go ahead. Hopefully everyone did enjoy the video. Really appreciate all the interaction in the comments. When there's so many comments flying in, it's hard to get them all up on screen and discuss them. So apologies for that, but we do appreciate it. Hopefully you all did enjoy it. Please leave a like on the video. And if you has, haven't subscribed, please do. And Larry, football is back for the time being. So preview tomorrow against Burnley. Yeah, preview for Burnley. Um, look, I'll tell you what, I'll never say or predict that United are going to lose. I'm telling you, it's written in the stars. I'm not confident, mate. Yeah. Well, I saw Ralph out and Rangik out was trending on Twitter, unfortunately, today. But I think a lot of that is sort of banned, sort of stemmed from a little bit of banter and people just jump on the bandwagon for um, 
for shits and giggles type thing, but it will be a thing. I'm saying it's wrongly so, but it is a thing amongst um, the fan base at the moment. And um, great one, boys are mad. Um, Dion as well. Actually, I saw Adam down there supporting the supporters club down from Melbourne as well. Um, all good signs of Mad United fans around the country at the moment. But Larry, until then, chat to you tomorrow. Yeah, mate. Chat tomorrow. See you then. Cheers, guys. Have a good night, everyone. Cheers.